This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> Well, hello there. This is On The Ledge Podcast. I'm Jane Perrone. It's 2023 and we're still talking about houseplants. Welcome to the show, the 250th episode of On The Ledge. Flipping Nora, that's a lot of episodes. And in this episode, I talk to Betsy Begonia about the wonderful, wonderful world of Hoyas. Plus, I'm answering a question about Hoyas too. What are those weird marks on my Hoya? Stay tuned to find out. Thank you to Holly and Isabel, who became crazy plant people over the festive break, and Abby upgraded from crazy plant person to legend. And I must give a special shout out to all 60 of my current crazy plant people. In some respects, these are the most altruistic listeners of all because they give me roughly a pound, a dollar, a euro, whatever your unit of currency, a month for absolutely nothing in return, just because it gives them a warm, fuzzy feeling inside to support the show. And that's rather nice of them, you must admit. If you want to join those people, you can do. If you want to give me a one-off donation via code-fi.com or PayPal, you can do so. Many podcasts have a whole team of people behind them, but it is literally just me and my assistant, Kelly, who works for me four hours a week. So (laughs) it's a skeleton team. Any bits of cash you can throw our way would be welcome. If everybody who listened to the show gave me a pound a month, then I would be able to do incredible things with the show. So just think about that if you have the opportunity. And of course, if you don't have the funds, absolutely fine. There are loads of other ways of supporting the show. Give me a mention on Twitter or social media of any kind. Tell your friends and share the On The Ledge love. And also just to say my newsletter, The Plant Ledger, came out today. You can go to janeperone.com forward slash ledger to read that and all the back issues and also to subscribe and get your free guide to dealing with fungus gnats. Just occasionally you meet another planty person who really makes you think, Darn, I wish they lived around the corner for me rather than in another country because they're just so very marvellous. And that was the case when I finally got to chat to Betsy Begonia, who I've followed and admired for a long time. In this chat, we cover loads of ground, a lot of Hoya chat because that's one of Betsy's enthusiasms in life. But even if you don't like Hoyas, I think you will get a lot of fun out of this chat. A teeny bit of context here. We do mention my interview with Felix Horn. That's the UK's national collection holder of Hoyas. You can go back and listen to that in episode 244. 
and all the other experts and scientists who are mentioned in this episode. If you don't catch the names, head on over to the show notes at janeperone.com where you will find all the info and I also add transcripts for all episodes. These go up as soon as I can get them up there. So if you're not listening to the show the day it goes out, do check back for the transcripts. My name is Betsy. I'm also known as Betsy Begonia. I have a YouTube channel all about houseplant love and care. And I also have a shop where I sell rare Hoyas called hoyamygosh.com. Welcome, Betsy. It's great to have you on the show. I think you were one of the first YouTube houseplant people that I came across. There's dozens of them now, probably hundreds. Where did this all start and how did you get into houseplants? I am one of the OGs, (laughs) especially when it comes to uh, Hoyas and talking about those. It was in 2018... Uh, I I got really into plants for the first time in my life. I always had a jade plant throughout my life. Someone would always gift me, I would always adopt a jade plant and they kind of followed me around, but I never took plant care very seriously. And then I moved into this uh, already furnished apartment in Paris. It was a super cool apartment with like leather club chairs and stainless steel furniture and uh, furnishings. It was a really nice space, but I always felt like there was, it was just too cold. It was just missing something. Um, and I found a Diefenbachia in like the basement of a hardware store or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take that home. And it just changed everything. Just having a plant in the room, it gave a little burst of color, but it also added this warmth that everything was really lacking. And so it was pretty much downhill from there. Or indeed uphill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If we're talking about speed, downhill. (laughs) It's amazing how that happens. And even though I've been growing houseplants for many, 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 many years, I still feel like this exponential growth of the past, you know, since I've had the podcast has been quite something. And um, it's only just kind of settling down now. And you find yourself buying plants that you just regret for reasons of like why my (laughs) sort of my boutique collection of houseplants has suddenly included this plant this kind of outlier plant that's completely different from everything else I grow needs completely different care why did I buy this (laughs) maybe that's just me but I'm glad to have another Hoya lover on the show I'm unembarrassed to say that you know this show is probably a little bit Hoya heavy but that's okay most channels have become Hoya heavy (laughs) There's something about them. Yeah. And I feel pleased that I was kind of there like you were before they kind of got trendy when they were still kind of rejected as something quite uh, quite old fashioned, I guess we could say. Yeah. I didn't even know that there was a sort of houseplant culture. I had bought that Diefenbachia, but I didn't know what it was. There was no label. And so I went on Reddit and I, I think it was like, what's this plant? Something like that. Some subreddit. Uh, dedicated to identification. And I asked and a few people told me, oh, it's Diefenbachia. Hey, by the way, you should come on over to the other subreddit, r slash houseplants and r slash plant clinic. And, you know, and I was like, wow, that's this. There's like a whole community of people who just enjoy plants and share photos of plants. And I, that's really when it started. And then, you know, I had a Suddenly, I had Maranta and Pothos, and I started on, you know, the easy stuff. I didn't move on to the hard stuff 
right away. Um, but then I started to get into Hoya and... And that's where it all really kicked off because, heck, my goodness, you've my got goodness. a plant shop now. <laughs> I mean, did you ever envisage yes. this would be the scenario? No. And in fact, when I started the channel, people would often ask me if I wanted to have a shop. And I was like, no, I, like, I have a full-time job. This is just something I do for fun. Uh, the YouTube channel was really just for fun. You know, it was my hobby. I liked to make people smile and laugh. I like to be uh, goofy. And um, it was inspired because I, I was watching some plant YouTubers. I think it was mainly like Danielle Tells because she was talking about Hoyas and a couple of others that I can't remember. But I thought, why? Like, I, I feel like somebody could do this and make it more fun. Like, this needs to be more fun and maybe a little bit funny even. And so that's kind of what propelled me to start my own channel um, and just try to change it up a bit, be goofy, make people laugh. And that was very fulfilling. And then suddenly it exploded because Jenna Marbles uh, <laughs> mentioned my channel on uh, her houseplant tour video. Now, Jenna Marbles, I'm an old lady. So like this, she's a, she's a famous, <laughs> she's a, fa my kids would just be laughing at this point. She's a famous YouTuber, isn't she? <laughs> you are not much older than me. <laughs> uh, yes, she was like an OG. Uh, I can't believe I'm using that term twice. Uh, <laughs> she made YouTube videos a long time ago. And I remember when I moved to Paris, in 2011, gosh, was I lonely. I was so lonely because you think, you know, you have this idea like, I'm going to move to Paris and everyone's going to love me and I speak the language perfectly. That's absolutely not how it ever goes. And uh, so I would just sit in my little um, chambre de bonne, my little apartment, and I would watch Jenna Marble's videos. And it's, uh, you know, you, you get that um, parasocial relationship thing going on and uh it was just so nice her videos really lifted my spirits and I watched her all the time and it just felt like so full circle uh for that to happen years later I think it was tw 2018 or maybe early 2019 that she did like a house plant tour in her home and she gave my channel a shout out and I was just like oh my gosh like, she, she gave me so much, and now I'm giving to her, too. <laughs> Full circle. I love it. And I like what you said about, about comedy as well. Now, I, I never intended to make my podcast funny, but I have had a lot of reviews where people say, Jane, you really make me laugh. And... I just it, it's been quite rewarding because I've my husband is the joke cracker. I, I can't ask me to tell a joke and I cannot tell a joke, but. Apparently, uh, maybe it's just Americans like who find America, who find British things funny. I don't know. But I have, you know, been complimented on people finding the podcast quite entertaining and funny. And I think that's something that we've, as you say, we're kind of somewhat missing in the houseplant world. I had a daydream the other day about doing like a stand up routine about houseplants. Would that be crazy? I can see you doing a brilliant stand up routine about houseplants, actually. I have had people say that, but I thought, you know how niche that is? It's so niche. Audience of two. 
exactly. Well, I don't know. If there's demand out there, then maybe we'll hear from people and, you know, we should make it happen. But I, I just, I don't know. I mean, then again, you know, I think, you know, men feel the right to stand up and do stand up about all kinds of niche things. I don't know. There's probably very niche stand ups. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I could, I could do a two man show with uh, Mira from Daisy Plants. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it, there's there's potential there. There is potential. But anyway, they, they, we're going off on a tangent as usual. Uh, let, let's keep talking about Hoyas. I mean, it, it's quite a big jump from growing Hoyas to then going down the route of opening a shop. How has that been? How has that been treating you? I decided uh, last year that I... I mean, I, I was already selling Hoyas to people, um, you know, I put a post on Facebook or something, or if I just knew someone who was collecting Hoyas, we could do an exchange, um, things like that. But I, I decided I just wanted to do it all above board and create a website because it's such a hassle to develop relationships and sell plants on Facebook. Everybody wants to haggle and, you know, it's you have to keep track of everything. You have to post photos every single time. And I thought, you know, this would just be so much easier if I had a website. And if I had a website, I could write the content for it because I, I really enjoy writing cute little descriptions for each Hoya and giving some information about the care requirements, etc. Um, so it just seemed like a really wonderful project for me. And I just decided I, I wanted to be the main Hoya boutique here in France and specialize in, in the more rare varieties of Hoyas and, and things like that. And I imagine that there's a ripe market for it because Hoyas are so popular. Do you ship just in France or are you shipping overseas too? I ship throughout the entire EU and to Switzerland. <clears throat> and Liechtenstein, you know, for anybody in Liechtenstein. Well, all my Liechtenstein listeners will be delighted about <laughs> I'm that. I'm so happy. Because those countries will accept the EU passport, the plant passport, so I can send there. And then hopefully in the spring, I will start shipping to the UK and Norway. And uh, I would like to start shipping to the US. Canada is a little bit more complicated because Canadians have to apply for a permit and then they have to send it to me. I got to sign it, send it back to that, you know. Um, I know there are a lot of Americans who are begging me to send Hoyas to the U.S. Uh, so hopefully in the spring I'll, I'll be able to do that. But right now it's just the EU. You're into the rare Hoyas, but I know that you're not snobbish about your Hoyas too. Give me some favorites from your collection. My all-time favorite is still the, the first Hoya that I ever bought, which is Hoya Crimson Princess or Hoya Rubra. It's the inner variegated Hoya Carnosa, and it's got those pink... I'm looking at it right now. It's got those pink vines, and I, I just think it's a really lovely Hoya. But gosh darn it, if that thing does not succumb to root rot, it's just mm -hmm. overnight. So <laughs> I've, had, I've had my ups and downs with that plant, and I did lose the original one after saving it from root rot three times. And then this past year... I started looking for it because I thought, I really miss that Hoya. It's one of my favorites. I was looking everywhere. I could not find it. It used to be in all of the greenhouses and all of the plant shops. It was nowhere to be found. And uh, Miro, who lives in Serbia, was also having the same issue. He started hunting for it, too. He's collecting all of the Carnosas because he wants to make a really comprehensive 
a video about all of the Carnosa everythings. And finally, I found a woman who was selling her mature plant for 30 euros. And I was like, give it to me. So <laughs> I ordered that. And immediately root rot, immediately when it arrived, it already had root rot. So I had to take a bunch of cuttings and save it. And I, you know, I, I just love that Hoya. And I also love Hoya Carnosa. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, it's been in the trade since like 1863. But I just love that plant so much. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And I mean, as you say, as you say, you could just spend your lifetime collecting Carnosa cultivars and to be quite mm -hmm. happy and quite content with your lot and have quite a diverse collection even then. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think he has something like 13 different Carnosas. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I also have Carnosa Brazil somewhere, but it's uh, that's a cute one. It looks a lot. What's Carnosa Brazil? I've not come across that. It looks a lot like uh, the Rubra, the Crimson Princess, but the mm -hmm. leaves are a little bit pointier and they kind of curl inward. Um, it was, it's, they're, they're quite pretty. And when the new leaves come in, they're very pink. Or the, you know, the parts that will eventually turn white come in very, very pink. Super adorable. One of the things I talk about when I was researching Carnos of my book, one of the things I talk about is the fact that um, Victorians like to wear Hoya flower, Hoya carna, well, Hoya flowers generally, I should say, as uh, buttonholes. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to reignite this. As, so maybe, maybe this is something you, I can get you on board with, with your sense of French style and everything. So you just oh, yes. need to get yourself one of those buttonhole holder <laughs> things. Um, I've got a sterling silver one, which I'm rather pleased mm. with, but you can just buy, I think you can buy ones made of all kinds, you know, plastic or whatever. Wait, it's like a brooch? Yeah, it's like a brooch. And then you oh. have a little, it's <gasps> like a mini vase that you wear as a brooch. And then you oh, have to then so take cute. your, I mean, the only downside is from a Hoyer's point of view, you're basically cutting off a peduncle. But if you can spare one. Well, I just did that today by accident. Yeah, you can cut off your peduncle <laughs> and then... There's various things that they sort of mix it with, or you could just have the the Hoya, and then I just sort of wrap it in a teensy tiny amount of like a ribbon or something, just to moist ribbon, and then stick it into this vase brooch thing, and there you've got your buttonhole. I'm I'm hoping to revive this. I mean, I don't know how successful I'm going to be, but that's my plan. What I'm really into are enamel pins. Every order that I send out, I always put a little. Uh, enamel pin in with it as a little gift and you just reminded me I need to go downtown to my P.O. box because someone who is a member of my discord server makes enamel pins and she made such adorable Hoya pins it's like a little little creature and it's got like a little bouquet of Hoya flowers so I need to go downtown and get my little pins they're so cute Oh, okay. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah, I love a pin. I wear a brooch every day. I'm not wearing anything planty today. We need to bring the brooch back. Oh my Please. gosh. Are you going to start me on a... a t this is another podcast entirely, <laughs> but yes. Brooches. People them. need to start yes. wearing brooches again. More chat from Betsy soon, but a Hoya question before that, and it comes from listener Jonathan about a Hoya, you guessed it. And this plant, 
which came to Jonathan as an unlabeled Hoyer. I'm guessing that it is Hoyer Carnosa Crimson Princess, or as I think it's possibly more accurately known now, Rubra. Uh, that's the one with the internal variegation, so creamy centre and green on the outside. I think it's that one anyway. I wouldn't bet my life on it, but it wasn't really the ID that Jonathan was looking for. Jonathan has a question about marks on the leaves. He has seen small silvery patches on some leaves, but not all of them, that can be rubbed or scratched off. And when Jonathan looks under a hand lens, they don't appear to be a bug and they appear flat and the plant is looking healthy. So what on earth is going on? Well, the first word that springs to many Hoya growers mind when we hear this description would be splash. But if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably know that I don't really like that term. So we'll call it blister variegation or airspace variegation as it's also known. And this is a feature of a lot of Hoyas. It's nothing to worry about, Jonathan. That's the first thing to say. Um, this kind of variegation is not caused by any kind of pigmentation from the leaves. It's caused by a blister, an airspace. And this occurs under the epidermis, the top surface layer of the leaf, and the chlorenchyma, which is the, the cells that basically where the photosynthesis happens below the epidermis. Um, and there's a space between those two layers of cells. And what happens is the light bounces into that space and then bounces out again. And that gives you that silvery effect. Um, and blister variegation is interesting because it doesn't affect photosynthesis as far as we know. Generally, the plants have exactly the same amount of chlorophyll as they would do if they had no blister variegation. And we don't really know uh, why it's there. Uh, there are various theories about mimicking pest damage. Also, whether the spaces that bounce light about help the plant to maximise the light that it has available. Um, it's something that features in quite a few different houseplants, including Begonia maculata, which has much larger silvery blotches and other plants that have a silvery effect like Serapegia woodii, the string of hearts plant. So I would say to Jonathan, don't worry, uh, your plant is fine. This is a feature that you'll see to varying degrees on many Hoyas. I was trying to think of Hoyas that don't include these markings. There are a few. Um, actually, I was talking to Betsy Begonia about this off air and she reminded me that Hoya Bella is one that doesn't have any sign of blister variegation. And the thing about blister variegation is that some Hoya growers have fallen in love with these silvery marks and named them Splash and are desperate to try to up the levels of splash in a leaf via any means necessary. I have never found a way of doing that in terms of uh, varying things like light and humidity and feeding. That doesn't seem to make any difference to how much splash is produced. Uh, I mean, possibly more light might help a little bit changing conditions, but really your plant will decide how much splash it wants to put out. And that is that. But it's something to, to keep an eye on. It's easy to confuse things like splash with marks that you might get from the shed skins of pests or mealybugs. But as ever, 
get your hand lens out. You regular listeners will know I love a hand lens. Get your hand lens or magnifying glass out and have a look. And you'll be able to see, like Jonathan did, that they're not a bug. They're flat against the leaf and there is no problem. And if you do get up close and personal with some blister variegation, it's actually rather beautiful. So there you go, Jonathan. I hope that answers your question and puts your mind at rest. Now it's time to go back to talking more generally about Hoyer's with Betsy Begonia. So I believe, though, we haven't talked about two Hoyer species, which I think are among your favourites. Correct me if I'm wrong. Lacanosa and Finlaysoni. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about those. I have neither. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Oh, oh, no, I do. Do I? Do I have a Lacanosa? i got to send you some. Well, I'm just thinking, do I have a Lacanosa? I think, oh, hmm, I think I might have a Lacanosa. This is... When you have too many plants. (laughs) See, this is where there's some confusion because I do have something that is a bit lacunosa-y, but I don't know if it's actually officially that. I do have something. I don't have Finlaysonii, though. So what is it about those two particular species that uh, draws you in? Lacunosa, it's definitely the flowers. I love the flowers. They're very... They have a beautiful scent to them, and it really lights up the entire apartment. Just, even if just one peduncle is in bloom, the smell is just glorious, and I love it. And it puts me in such a good mood. It, actually, the first time that my Lacanosa bloomed, I was living in Paris. I had gone on holidays, and so I had a couple stay in my home to take care of my cats while I was gone. I used to use the website Trusted House Sitters. Not a sponsor, but hey. Um... And when I got home, my whole apartment smelled like perfume. And I was like, what? What did they spray? And I was almost like (laughs) upset and angry. Like, what is this perfume that they decided to spray in my home? And then uh, I found my plant. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And my my whole demeanor changed. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's my lacunosa. I'm so in love. Uh, But it it definitely started with the flowers of lacunosa. And then I, I think I just became obsessed with them, started collecting them. And then I started seeing how each Lacanosa varies so vastly from plant to plant. And I really like that one in particular because the leaves have this, they have like this wonky personality. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about all Hoyas. Every time they put out a new leaf, it's going to look different from any other leaf on the plant for the most part. And so it's kind of like opening a present. Uh, but Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Um, but Lacanosa in particular, like they've got the wonkiest leaves. And I just really like that. I think it's also the reason why I love begonia, for example. It's that asymmetry in the leaf. There's something about that that just, even though I'm like, I'm actually kind of like an anal retina person. I'm a little, a little bit uh, tightly wound, if you couldn't tell. And I like things to be in their place, and I like symmetry. There's something about begonia and the the wonkiness of hoya leaves that really draws me in. Almost like opposites attract. <laughs> yeah, I think there is something very true about mm-hmm. that. I mean, when I look at, for example, my macrophylla slash latifolia mm-hmm. out of variegated, whatever oh, the heck we're calling it one. these days. <laughs> I love that one. and But it's just got these crazy sort of stems with nothing on them. I'm like, is, there, is anything ever going to grow on there? 
I don't know. It's interesting. I'm just going to let it see what happens with it. I'm going to send you a picture of my, uh, in inverted commas, lacunosa, though, because perhaps oh, you can... Do. My record keeping is, astro- is atrocious, <laughs> absolutely atrocious. Uh, I'm sure somebody who ever sent me a cutting of that told me what it was, but I don't know. It hasn't flowered, uh, but it's got quite dark... Uh, maybe it's not lacunosa. It's the leaves are quite dark green, like almost blackish, but they they are very variable. You're right. Oh, maybe it's Cronyana black leaves. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But I'll send you a picture of it. You can ID it, ID it for me. But you're right. They are a bit mysterious, I think, Hoyers. And and it doesn't even stop there. It also goes into uh, <laughs> the the naming of these species and these hybrids. It's just an absolute. Uh, nightmare of sorts. And actually, that's a lot of the reason that I love them as well. Being able to deep dive and do your research and connect with people uh, just to figure out what is the origin of this hybrid or just trying to figure out information about them um, because so many of them are misidentified or confused or, uh, you know, there there are a lot of problems going on with... uh, the identification of Hoyas. There is so... Absolutely. There really is. Like, there are levels of mysteriousness to them. There are. I mean, I th- I'm hoping at some point somebody's going to write the ultimate tome, the ultimate Hoya tome, but it'll be out of date in about five months. That's the issue, right? We can't rely on things not changing as we discover more and more about these plants. So I don't know what the answer is, but... Uh, well, yeah. I know that Michaela Roda and uh, Natalie Simonson are doing very good work. Are these are two Hoya... botanists are they yes yeah two botanists uh natalie is from sweden and michael roda is from italy and uh they've published quite a few hoyas in recent years and they have Mm -hmm. also gone back and uh clearly identified hoyas that were you know previously misidentified etc so they're doing very good work well, uh, it is it is very good work because we need to, we need answers. We do need answers on some <laughs> <Yes>. of these <laughs> these issues. Now, Finlay Sonii, well, what's the deal with that one? Is that the one that gets mixed up with um, Velosa, or uh, is Velosa? F- oh, possibly. I wouldn't say Velosa is a Finlay Sony type, um, but yeah, uh, Finlay Sony can also be confused with Clementiorum sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I have I have a. I think I have as many Finlaysoni as I do Lacunosa, but most of them are for the shop. Uh, they're not actually part of my private collection. Um, but goodness, they're, I, they're gorgeous. But you know what's interesting is that, well, I'm American and I live here in Europe. And I've noticed that there is a difference in the way that Americans appreciate Hoyas and the way that Europeans appreciate them. So Americans are obsessed with the leaves. It's all about the foliage. Mm-hmm. So they, they tend to really love those mm-hmm. big leaf Hoyas that are very dramatic and showy with um, contrasting vein, uh, veins, Clemenciorum, Finlaysoni, uh, Callistophylla. Europeans love the flowers. And so when I was taking my, when I was making my first orders for the shop, I was shopping like an American. I was like, everybody loves a big showy leaf. Everybody loves contrasting veins. And so I ordered all of these Finlay Sony. And uh, Europeans were just like, no, nah, no thanks. And mm-hmm. they were ordering based on what the flower was going to look like. And meanwhile, Americans were like, please save me some of those Finlay Sony. You know, 
because they uh, they want those. They they love the flower or the sorry leaves. So now I know how to shop for my market. Uh, we need to get on though to the other sort of Hoya point of stress for anyone who's kind of built a collection of these plants, which is the DM word mites. Uh. Now, yeah, I mean, I've I recently g- discovered. Uh, what I think are broad mites on some Hoya cuttings that I got from somewhere or other. Fortunately, they're in a closed prop box right now. So I've just left them in there to sort of... What are the symptoms that you have? Well, the, the it was one of these Hoyas that was planted into... Um, I don't even know what you call it. I was talking to Felix about this. It's like a Hoya that's planted into a tree stump. Oh, the coconut husk. Yeah, the oh, coconut husk thing, that. but it's like, it's not chunks. It's literally yeah, it's just a like whole... A, yes, yes. I don't like that. It feels like a tree stump. Mm, the best thing you can do is just take cuttings from those. Yeah, that's what I did. I just was like, no, I'm not having this. So I just took cuttings of yeah. it and put it in a prop box. You know, and there was something he said. Uh, he was talking about his Archboldiana. And he was saying it never grows, never grows. And he's been trying to get it to grow for two years. I bet it's got... Broad mites or flat mites. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But that's, my alarm bells were going off. Like, that's not right. It shouldn't. Yeah, that's the major symptom, mm. isn't it? It's just mm-hmm. no growth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, to be fair, I do have some Hoyas that haven't grown for two years that I have examined with a 90 magnification lens and there are no mites on them. So it's not always the case, mm. but you're right. It's a good thing to check. Definitely a good thing to check. Because these mites can really hold back growth and they are absolutely tiny. They're, they're tinier than spider mites. I don't know what the actual kind of dimensions are in relation to red spider mites, but they are super small. You certainly can't see them with even like a times 10 magnification. Oh, the flat mites? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're incredibly tiny. Flat mites and broad mites. I, I know what the broad mites look like, but can you describe for listeners the what they are like and what we're looking for. So usually, and this this was my problem, I thought that there was only one type of spider mite. That's the two-spotted spider mite. That's the one that creates webs between the leaves of the plant. And you can see those with the naked eye very clearly. I had my own nightmare a few months ago when I brought home a monstera and a, a gopersia plant from the greenhouse. And like a week later, I suddenly saw webs and these mites crawling back and forth between the webs. And I was like, oh my God, it was the first time I had ever seen them. So that's the two-spotted, sorry, two-spotted spider mite. Flat mites, however, uh, they do not create webs and they are so tiny, you cannot see them with the naked eye. The only time I ever, like when I discovered that I had them, uh, it was after I purchased a USB microscope. And I was looking at my plants under the microscope, just out of genuine curiosity, having a good time. And I discovered <laughs> flat mites. They are bright red, orange colored. And uh, in my experience, they appear all along the stem, around the nodes, and then sometimes on the underside of the leaves. And if you have a true infestation, because at this time they were not showing any, uh, like the leaves were not showing any physical symptoms. It was just that the Hoyas were not growing. The growth tips would die off with no explanation. 
they, they simply just weren't growing. There were no other signs. Um, but if you do have a very strong infestation that goes on for some period of time, you will start to see kind of like a, the backs of the leaves become kind of scabby looking. They kind of become like a dusty beige brown color where they have, you know, worked their quote unquote magic. But under the microscope, I found them and, uh, that would just bright, bright, they're impossible to miss once you see them. And I know that Adam, uh, he has the YouTube channel, not dude. And the Instagram account, not dude. He first saw them while he was taking photos of his Hoyas with a, like a really good, um, uh, fish eye lens. What, what is that? This is a better word for that. Macro lens. And, uh, yeah. So that's, that's when I discovered those. And I honestly, for years had absolutely no idea that I had them. Then when it, uh, the broad mites, I had a Hoya Dacia. I had had it since 2019, spring 2019. And it only had like three or four leaves. And it kept developing these weird little nubby growths, these little stunted growths all around the base, like the bottom node, the main node of the plant. And sometimes a little leaf would start to push out and then before long, it would turn yellow and fall off. And I thought, what on earth is going on? I don't like this plant is just so stubborn. It never grows. And it stayed the same size from 2019 until um, earlier, I think, January this year. So like quite some time. And finally, a Swedish, because the Swedes were aware of this, a Swedish woman, Emily, uh, told me, you know what that looks like? It looks like these, I don't remember the Swedish word. God help me. I could not even pronounce it if I tried, but she, it looks like broad mites basically. Um, and that's when I found out about broad mites and I was able to put it under the microscope and find them. They are so difficult to spot. You have to know exactly where to look. And uh, they're very, very hard to, to discover. But yeah, if you're getting little nubby growths where it looks like a stem started to come out and then it just like kind of stopped and hardened over, that is a very clear sign of broad mites. Um, and I, I will make a video about it soon, but I've been kind of, um, I mean, I've been talking to the members of the Hoya Stemma Journal Facebook group because they did a, a write-up some time ago about flat mites and treating flat mites. And uh, yeah, I, I thought that I had the solution, which would be a warm water bath, um, but that's still kind of like in the experimental phase. So yeah. Yeah, there's no easy answers. I mean, I know that I recently read uh, something from Doug Chamberlain in the US, Vermont Hoyers, as he is known, um, about his own flat mite epiphany. Yes. And I think yeah, he made a video yeah. about treating the sulfur. Yeah, the sulfur solution seems to be a popular <clears> one. <throat> I think there's um, isn't there an orchid grower who's using a sort of a mineral oil spray? Is it Orchid Girl? It might be Miss Orchid. Yeah, girl. yeah. Oh, I yeah. Love her. Oh, so I, love I mean, her. I I haven't done anything yet. That I've just left the. Well, the the thing about the sulfur, um, well, the reason that I don't like it, but I think I'm going to have to resort to it eventually, is that it leaves this scummy, crusty, white. Uh, you know, residue all over your leaves. And when you're somebody who has a shop and you depend on <laughs> photographs of your plants in order to sell them, that's not exactly what I want. But the other thing that I really want to emphasize 
Sulfur will work uh, against flat mites and broad mites. It will. But you have to spray the plants with the sulfur every 7 to 10 days for 8 weeks because the sulfur does not destroy the eggs. So you're not destroying the life cycle of the mite. And I, I just really want to emphasize this because we do not want to create a sulfur-resistant strain of flat mites. So it's very important. And I, I remember Doug made that video and I told him, um, I'm glad that you treated once, but you, if you really want to get rid of them, find, you know, forever, you have to treat this many times and this many. And he said, well, that's just, it's too much of a hassle. Like what, <laughs> what is this hobby anymore? And I thought, well, <laughs> it has not always been a headache. <laughs> uh, but I, I just really want people to understand that we do risk creating uh, a resistant mite strain, which would be an entirely new nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, that's a worry, isn't it? I hadn't thought of that. Oh, yeah. I may well be keeping me up mm -hmm. at, uh, at night. I mean, I think the uh, the mineral... I, I presume the same is true... <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I presume the same is true with the, the mineral spray that you're probably going to need to... I mean, that, that kills the eggs, though, doesn't it? I'll, I'll put a link to this in the show notes so people can go and have a look at it. But Oh, please do. And yeah, send me the link because I, I haven't looked deeply into the horticultural oil or the mineral yeah, oil. Yeah, I mean, she's got a fairly straightforward recipe on her website, which, again, I haven't tried. But it's uh, mm. using things that you can get quite easily, I believe, most places. Uh, okay. I think she uses just regular baby oil i can't remember anyway but it, it's quite strong i remember looking at it and thinking oh i could do that um, um okay but it, uh, if you've got a lot of plants it's just a, it's just a pain isn't it but you know uh, oh yes i have 500 what was working for me was the warm water bath i even bought a sous vide cooker and i put it in a 70 liter bin um and the research shows that if you submerge a plant in water between temperatures of 110 to 120 fahrenheit i believe that's uh, 43 to 49 degrees Celsius. Um, I usually try to aim for like 44 because there's no reason to stress the plant beyond that since that seems to work. You just submerge it for 10 to 15 minutes. It destroys the eggs. It destroys the mites in every single lifestyle, uh, <laughs> lifestyle, life cycle. And that has been working for me. There have only been a couple of plants where the mites seem to come back and I think it was because I had made an error and the temperature in the pot was not high enough. But I also accidentally let the water go too hot at one point because I walked away and I was doing whatever it is that I do. And uh, I came back and was like, oh my God, it's at 48 degrees. And uh, those plants, uh, yeah, those leaves don't look fantastic right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're not dead, but they don't look fantastic right now. So it is, I'm still in the experimental phase. Once I've got it figured out, I would love to make a video about it that's very comprehensive. I'm, I may be appearing quite calm about this whole mite thing. I think it's because I've had root mealybugs. Yeah. <laughs> and see, I think ooh. once you've had root mm. mealybugs, like mm. you just think all other pests are like <laughs> just child's play. I mean, yes. I don't know. Yes. Uh, it's, you just get very, very kind of... Uh, Blase. But it, it, it's an interesting thing to consider. If you do have a lot of Hoyas that haven't grown, mm. it is a good thing to think about this. So you've just bought a plug-in um, microscope, like a USB microscope to, to see your... Oh, yeah, just a cheapy little thing. 
Uh, I think I paid 24 on Amazon, but it's probably, it's just drop shipped from AliExpress. So you get it for 10 bucks on AliExpress, but it works. It works very, very well. And I can record with it. Um, and I have recorded footage of the flat mites and the broad mites. And I've, um, I have made posts on, you know, that Facebook group, Hoya Obsessed, and on Instagram to show people exactly where they need to look. Because a lot of people don't know where to look for the... Uh, the mites. I haven't invested in one, in one of those. I probably should. As I say, my... Oh, it's so fun. But yeah, I can imagine. My, my 90 magnification lens is so small and my eyesight, you know, is not that great. So I'm sort of squinting away mm. trying, <laughs> trying to see these things. So that's a definite, definitely a good investment. Although, does it like leave you sort of feeling a little bit itchy? No, no, After you've no, looked... No, no. <laughs> see, I'm not, I'm not the type of person to like get nauseous over things or to get creeped out. And I actually, oh, I find good. it fascinating because, you know, they're, they're mites. They're not here to chew on me and they're not here to get on my cats. They're just chewing on my plant, which I hate, obviously. But I do yeah. find it fascinating. Adam, uh, I just talked about him, from, uh, not dude. He sent me, because he also has a uh, USB microscope. He sent me a video that he caught of a flat mite laying eggs. That was yucky. <laughs> yeah yeah i hear I did you not i need mean, that in my life <laughs> <laughs> but as i've pointed out on the show several times before and as i would point out to the woman i saw on tiktok the other day who was complaining about conifer aphids on her potted oh, christmas tree yeah she was going crazy and i was kind of like you realize there's mites living on your face on your eyelashes i mean yeah, on your eyelashes, you have mite. Like, really, we need to get over this mite squeamishness because they're on us. Did, have they're you in ever us. heard of Haywood Banks? This is so off topic. Go on. No, I haven't. This is something I learned when I was a really young child. There's an American comedian who makes really silly songs. And one of his songs is about uh, dust mites. <laughs> He talks about how the mites are like living in your eyelid. It's a disgusting song, but he sings it in such a sweet, subtle way. Like it's a lullaby. <laughs> and I, I heard that, I think, when I was like eight, because my dad really liked this comedian. Uh, and so I've known that always. I'm like, how can you not know that you're just covered in bugs? <laughs> yeah. Let, let alone, you know, all the bacteria and things that are living inside us. I mean, yeah. really, we should be a little bit more... Uh, aware of this stuff but as you say it's a, we're in an experimental stage at the minute mm -hmm. and yes absolutely. i guess there are probably you know these things are spreading around as hoyas become so popular and plants are being passed around more and more more and more people are coming up against this problem so it's going to be really interesting to see how that shakes down and, and whether hopefully there's a good solution that we can all kind of try and and that actually works yeah, I would like to I would like to develop some sort of system for people so that they can ensure that if their collection has been cleaned of pests, then when they introduce new plants into their home, they have a, you know, step 1, step 2, step 3 process in order to ensure that any new plants coming in are not going to spread pests to their current plants. Um, I for example, whenever I get new cuttings, I just give them the warm water bath to begin with. Uh, and quarantine mm. them for a little while, check them with the microscope two or three weeks later, no mites, okay, they can join their friends. 
So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Quanti quarantining is central. Yes. Well, it's been really lovely to speak it to you, has. Betsy. Thank and you so much. I'll put all those useful links in the show notes to your shop and might info, etc. And the, the growers and botanists that you mentioned as well, because I know people love to go deep into this stuff and there's so much to learn. But for the moment, are there any more? My last question to you is, is there any more Hoyas out there that you still are seeking that you're kind of your dream plant that's still out there? Indesaria. And what is it about that one? Hoya Indesaria is just so beautiful. I have uh, recently become obsessed with these little thin leaf Hoyas like Hoya exilis, which I have, Hoya apoda, um, uh, Lina vargarea. I just love these little thin leaved Hoyas and their flowers are so, so precious. And I am dying to get my hands on Indesaria. So hopefully sometime soon, um, I, I will have that in my collection. That's the only one that I'm looking for because honestly, I don't have room. But I feel you. I will, I will make room for that baby. So, well, any listeners, can, I, I'm happy to be a go-between to uh, oh, facilitate the, the searching down this precious Hoya. Uh, but for the moment, I think, as you say, you've probably got enough, Betsy. I, I think you've got do. enough. I think I <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank me. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an absolute pleasure. You are such a doll. Oh, thank you. Likewise, back at you. Thank you so much to Betsy Begonia. And if you want to go and find out more about her shop, Hoya My Gosh, then you can check the show notes. Also there you'll find details of her various social media, including her new podcast, Heavens to Betsy, which is not anything to do with houseplants, but delightful nonetheless, and definitely worth a listen. And that, my planty friends, is all for this week's show. Please do have a fabulous week. And I'll be back next Friday with more planty content to delight your ears. Bye. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops. The Road We Used to Travel When We Were Kids by Komiku and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. Visit the show notes for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.